Yo, 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 yo. We're back. Woo! It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you. Uh, what yeah. are those things to spend to? All right, Timberland. Okay. <laughs> step two, step two, step two, uh, step two. A ficky, ficky. You okay? What's going on, everybody? You good? Hello. You good? How I know. You doing? I'm good. I know Ingrid's good. Dudley, are you okay? <laughs> not no. No, today's not the day. Because you are in the midst of an epic collapse right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm wearing a strong yeah. right now, yeah. baby. Sorrow. They they've sorrow. been coming for you, Dudley. Prayer. Y'all was in the second round. I'm not trying to hear none of yeah. y'all right now. No, no, no. We don't want to go dismissed. <laughs> Listen, you know, at least okay. we won a few games. At least we won a few games. You know what I mean? Series ain't over yet. <laughs> at least we pushed series it. Ain't over <laughs> yet. Series not over yet. We're not gonna we're not gonna do this. Not right now. Especially with a person not wearing a person wearing green. Okay. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Wow. Hello, Welcome hello. tonight. Good evening, everyone. This is a Confessions Podcast. Yes. I'm one of your hosts, Dudley Francois. I'm with my Confessions family. And we back again. Good Lord. We can we just apologize, everybody? You know, we, we've been away for a couple of weeks, a little longer than we should have. And I'm not gonna lie to you. That's simply because they working me like a dog here, y'all. They they, you know, got a lot of work that's that's that needs to be done. Uh, but we're looking forward to camp meeting this year. Yes. Amen. Yes. To God be the glory. Yes. Yes. Uh, there will be no peace on the podcast. <laughs> there will be no peace on the podcast, Jeremiah. No Not tonight. Not tonight. Uh, they, they, they declare war. Um, Moda, Moda's on her way. Moda's on her way. She has a legitimate reason why she's late. Unlike the other, most of the reasons why she's just normally late. Wow. This time she has a legitimate That's reason why she's late. Wow. Um, so don't get discouraged, all you Moda fans who's waiting for Moda to come on. Michelle's gonna be on in a quick uh, minute, but we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight in what is going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to the honesty, to the transparency, to the illumination, and I just want to shout out uh, Pastor Edsel Cadet for spearheading this topic tonight. And uh, more specifically to our guests, who we'll introduce in a second. Tonight, we're looking forward to our conversation that is entitled, What Should We Reasonably Expect from Pastors? And, and, and this topic came from, ironically, a post that somewhat went viral on Adventist Facebook. Or yeah, Adventist, viral. Adventist viral. Yeah, Adventist viral. Um, and I feel like everybody had somewhat of an opinion on it. Yes. And God bless these individuals who just feel the effect. They, they don't hide from nothing. You know what I'm saying? They say with their chest, dog. All the smoke. All the smoke. All that smoke. And, you know, one phone call, two phone calls came together. And we said, you know what? We're just going to take this conversation. We're just going to put it up so that everybody can hear. In hopes that not only do we clear some air on uh, the necessary topic, but also that we gain some clarity we mm -hmm. move forward on perspective on how, you know, members and pastors and that relationship should be 
We hope that pastors who are watching, members who are watching, and everyone in between might find some edification in the growth of the pastor-member relationship, and we recognize how best we can move forward. Now, we may dis we may agree or we may disagree on the topics or the, 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 the opinions that might be shared here today, but we hope uh, that, if anything, that this conversation would do uh, justice to... Um, to the growth that we need for for church and so um disclaimer 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 so paul posted paul pastor paul graham posted about a day ago you're always on call as a pastor it's part of your calling what did he say say it again say it again you're always on call as a pastor it's part of your calling mm. and we love paul we love we love the sons of northeastern yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so when, when we decided to talk a little bit about this, mm -hmm. I reached out and I was like, "Hey, this is an interesting top conversation. I think it's something. It's a conversation that would benefit the the church, but we don't want to. We don't want to have the conversation as if we're talking about you. Can you come and join right. us?" Right. right. Um, and he was like, "Man, he said he's he was his words were I don't post for likes, I don't post for comments. I post to to evoke thought, conversation, so that we can grow together as a community." Awesome. I thought that was really selfless of him. So. The last I checked, there were 113 either likes, hearts, uh, cares, <laughs> angry faces. Like there was, a, there was a lot of engagement. 64 comments, <laughs> and a lot of those comments are pastors who are either agreeing or disagreeing, members agreeing or disagreeing. So uh, <laughs> just just some some context there. Mm -hmm. uh, but Paul has released us. Pastor Paul Graham has released us to to have this conversation. Awesome. Awesome. We will look forward uh, not just to this conversation, but for hopefully from hearing from him soon. And that's because, as you've noticed uh, with our topic, it's not just the topic, but that we have special guests. Yeah. And that is both uh, Pat Pastor Paul and Patrick Graham yeah. that's going to be with us today. And the reason why we wanted to have both is because even though Paul gave uh, the, 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 the quote on, yeah. on Facebook, uh, I, I believe like Pastor Patrick is going through something right now in his yeah. season that I think is good. Now, I don't know if both sides agree um, because it almost seems as if based on what Patrick is going through, he right, might right. agree he with his brother. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. But we'll see. Yeah, we and, just, we'll, and, we'll do some family counseling for them. All right. Awesome. And so with this, I think it's important for us to let's, let, let before we even get into the actual conversation we interview and all that different stuff let's get just a quick round table uh just around the, the circle amongst us right now um pastoral care mm -hmm. um do you uh, or do you initially agree with that quote um how much do you believe a pastor is on call uh for his members or her members yikes what do you um, well, number one, I think mm -hmm. that most people are very unreasonable in their expectations of pastors, right? And I am not a pastor, um, but I've worked with enough pastors. I interact with enough pastors to feel that way. I also feel like if you're going to feel like pastors should always be on call, then we should pay you all as if you're always on call. Um, 
because at the end of the day, oh. there is an understanding that like, if I have an like a true emergency, a true, true emergency, like Edsel, if you see me calling you at three o'clock in the morning, you know, like Ingrid does not do this. I'm going to answer the phone. Something is wrong. Right. But you do have members that just feel like they should just call the pastor all the time for everything. And the pastor should always have an answer, a response, a prayer, a word of recommendation or commendation. I just think it's really unfair. So I don't so, agree with the comment. But but what it sounds like to me is, is that I guess there should be some recognition of knowing that if I'm calling you at an unreasonable time, it would it would suggest that it has to be a reasonable reason it depends on the person because even as a lay person right they there are people that just call me at unreasonable hours because they're unreasonable people mercy and so i don't answer their calls this is true but (laughs) but if there is someone that does not typically call me at that particular time then I will answer because I know that it's an emergency. But there are some people that just abuse the privilege of having a phone. (laughs) So, you know, I think you kind of learn who those people are. Right. And you kind of put them in in that category. And, you know, you don't always feel inclined to answer their calls. What about you, E? What do you think? Um... When you read that, when you read that that post, what, what was your initial reaction? My initial reaction was like, I am not all, I'm not always on call in the in the way that most people would probably read that post. Right. Right. So what that means, the way I, I take it at is, I am available a lot. Right. But on call for what? I find more and more a lot of the emergencies that take place in people's lives, they need to reach out to us sometimes second, third, fourth, fifth. If not, it can wait till the morning, right? If it's a medical emergency, sure, I can pray for you, but you should call 911, right? If somebody's broken into your home, sure, I can pray for you, but you should, again, call 911. Yeah. Like, there are very few emergencies that, in my opinion, that require the, the pastor to be your first call at midnight. You know what I mean? Um, after you, the proper authorities have been contacted, have been reached, you've gotten the proper support, definitely tag your pastor in for us to be there to support you. But again, um, th- there's just very little, a lot of pastors can do at three in the morning or four in the morning. Yeah. So, so the, the always on call, I, I had a reaction to that. Um, but I do, but I've gotten calls at two in the morning where somebody was demon possessed. You know what right. I mean? A family member was trying to figure out how to manage that. So, so in that sense, there, there there's a portion of that where that is true, right? Where we are the number, definitely the first call um, but I also, as I was reading through the comments, I, I resonated with a lot of the comments about rest. I remember going periods of my pastoral ministry a year, two years where I didn't have days off and I was just mm-hmm. not well, I was not well. And mm-hmm. I wasn't able to take care of others well, cause I wasn't mm-hmm. take, taking care of myself. So I've had to unlearn a lot along my pastoral journey. Well, I, okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Paul. Um, but but I really feel like when I read it, it wasn't that deep for me. Okay. And the reason why it wasn't that deep for me because I feel like common sense would tell you, yeah, well, of course I'm going to take a break. I, I mean, I, I guess it's I guess it's important for people to mention that because maybe people do take it as literal. But 
like they say on the Michael K show in New York on ESPN New York, stop being Captain Captain Literal Man. Like that, I didn't I didn't take his post and say that that means I'm gonna make sure that I I'm on call every single time. But yeah, I think a pastor should be on call all the time. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to take the call. But the, but I'm gonna be able to make myself available, as you've said. You know, at three o'clock in the morning, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the call if a, if a, if a call is an emergency. Doesn't necessarily mean that I haven't set up boundaries. So I I I, I saw so I kind of sort of agreed with that. I understood what he was he was saying, if that's what he was saying, or at least that's how I took it. I took it as yeah, well, of course. That, I mean, that sort of comes with the job to you know to be available to people. Because let's just also be honest too, our schedules as, as ministers. Um, sort of always goes around what people's uh, familiarities are or their schedule is. That's why sometimes our, our meetings are at seven o'clock or eight, we don't, do I want to have a meeting at eight at seven o'clock? No, I want to watch the Boston Celtics lose to the Miami Heat. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but but, but that's an inconvenient time. You know what I'm saying? Like my wife was getting me out of me yesterday, talking about yo, you got to make sure you eat at a, at, a, at a good time, and the right time for me to eat, ironically, is the time where most people are free. Other members are free, so now I found myself giving up my time to, you know, to take care of, of, of other people because other people—that's the only time they're convenient because everybody works at nine to five. And so there's 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 back and forth in this, and 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 I understand that sometimes people abuse that, and so that I understand why there's boundaries, but I think that there's an openness to um, recognizing that you are on call and you have to kind of make the decisions based on who you are, based on what you need to, even though I'm ready for every call, do I pick up this call based on what I need, what, I, what's, what I'm going through, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, that, that's sort of my initial uh, uh, feeling behind it. But um, now I kind of want to bring in our guy straight from the Allegheny East Conference. Yes, I know. <laughs> He's breaking all the rules tonight. I, we're we're, his, we're roots all the rules. his roots are northeastern. We still play. You're right. He's one of us. But, but after X amount of years, when you go ten plus years in a conference, it doesn't just, matter. He's doing mission work in Allegheny. Not when you're from New York. Oh, it is. It's mission work. <laughs> so we we're, we're gonna bring in right now a person I feel is gonna do justice in kind of sharing that his story is gonna give us some clarity in this idea. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please put your hands together and welcome to the Confessions Family, our podcast, Pastor Patrick Graham. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen round of applause, everybody. We put our background music to make sure it is there. Woo, everybody. Woo. Don't even do that, guys. Don't even do that. Even do that. North, North, Northeastern is, is, is home. I'm going to pay at his home. It's right across the bridge. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I know how to get there. As long as well, I get I'm, over to Arizona, I'm good. That's we, we appreciate you, man. We really we really appreciate you coming on. Um, not only did your brother's post uh, on Facebook turn heads, but you you made a post. Yeah. <laughs> that turned heads, too. Mm-hmm. You know, as the associate minister, you know, youth ministries director, yeah. I was there. And then our youth, our youth director... Pastor Paula hit me up. She's like, did you see what Patrick put on Facebook? I said, no, no, no. Go on Facebook. And I went on Facebook. I say, yo. And there was no nice background behind it. There was no, Cut. you know, like, you know, how face. it was a simple, this is what I'm going to do, yada, yada, yada. And so, 
you know, that sort of turned heads in yeah. this. And yeah. um, I don't know if you've been on a platform before or you've kind of explained to everybody the reasons why outside of it. Uh, but I think it, it might be good for us to hear from you in this idea of, you know, how much work a pastor has on his shoulder to kind of, t you know, first of all, do you agree with your brother's quote? Let, let's sort of start off with there. Where are you with what your brother said? Um, how much do you agree or disagree and kind of allow your life to kind of use, be an example to the answer to that question, if that makes sense? All right. Well, the, fir the first thing, let me just put it this way. The first thing is that I, I put out an announcement out there that I'm no longer uh, um, after July 30th because I have camp, camp meeting, camp uh, Danny Davis. Um, that after that, um, I'm, uh, in my own words, I'm seeking to go back to the church. Uh, come out of the office and seeking to go back to the church. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a big call when you sit on all the North American division boards. Uh, you sit with um, with uh, I say Oscar still, but uh, um, Campari um, and Beta being the president of Beta. You know, once you're not a youth director, you lose all of those positions. I also sit on uh, Pine Forge board uh, the, and their. Um, uh, and their disciplinary uh, committee boards. So you sit on a lot of boards just because you sit in that one seat. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, uh, th there is a connection. Um, I've been in the pastoral work for now 22 years. And wow. 10 out of those years were in the office as the youth wow. director. While the 11 and a half or whichever it is was in the church. And I have made... Um, uh, uh, monumental mistakes mm -hmm. uh being in the church as far as paul's post is concerned mm -hmm. uh, as far as his post is concerned there is a there is another thing when you're in the office because um i, I take my work seriously so i look at at myself as a youth director that my church is the conference youth right. um and i look at it that way um um so um um <clears throat> Uh, really and truly, you get to a place where um, uh, uh, your calling, you have to know exactly what your calling is. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know your calling, forget about Paul's uh, post after that. I mean, the, the second part of his post that you're always on on call. But when you called, my situation is that from the time that I was a baby growing up, Bethel, New, Bethel Church growing up, by the time you reach a certain age, I knew that I was going to be a pastor. That's it. Uh, God assigned me to youth ministry. Mm -hmm. I, I want you to hear the words. God, God assigned me to youth ministries, right? right? But pastor is always in my heart. Mm -hmm. So no matter what happens, when I see you guys get up on the pulpit, mm -hmm. there's a burn that I have. Mm -hmm. But you don't have a burn when I'm on the pulpit. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. getting what I'm saying? Yeah, Not everybody yeah. could be youth director. Got it. We all were born to be pastors, if we, even if you're in that situation. Right, right, right. So, as far as I'm concerned, I did ten years in the past in uh, in, in the office, and um, it, it's not a matter of burnout. It's a matter that you hit the glass ceiling. Mm. You hit a point where you know it's time to give it up to the next generation. Hmm. I know what I'm talking about. Not, I'm still, you do, but when not I'm a lot of people do, beta, but clearly you do. When I sit on beta, I'm the old head on beta. Mm. And when these young cats start talking of what they want to see beta look like, it's time to move out of their way. 
Right. And give them all the way that, that they need because beta back in the day was only event proposals. Mm-hmm. Y'all gonna let me get into this thing for a second. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Youth ministries is not events. Mm-hmm. And now we have turned it into just being events. Youth ministries is ministries. Mm-hmm. So if you want an event coordinator, go hire somebody. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, yeah. but when you get into ministry, it's a different thing. Basically, for me, I have hit the, 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 the ceiling as far as youth ministries was concerned uh, on a conference level. Hear me out on a conference level. Um, um, I'm ready to go back to a church, uh, where I believe my calling is for right now. Um, and, um, um, and I've made monumental mistakes as a youth director, being at everybody's funeral, being Mm. at, even if I didn't know them, if they were just a pathfinder, Mm. I was there, um, um, visiting their homes, um, uh, being at their graduations, now we're talking about the whole conference. We're not talking about a church. Right, right, right. Um, um, we're talking about those. I mean, I, there's one time we had three funerals in 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 a week and a half of young people who passed away out of Philly. And you're there. There's an emotional thing that happens to your body mm-hmm. when um when you are working in that in that piece. Mm-hmm. Also, anything that goes wrong, youth in your church automatically comes to the top. Yeah. All right. Um, and I'll say this other thing, too, before we, we get into Paul's side of it, is that as the years have gone on in youth ministries from Trevor Baker, you could name him, Pastor Medley, you can name them all as you go all the way up. The law has jumped into our ministries because of young people and children. So there are things that we can, used to be able to do in youth ministries that we mm-hmm. cannot readily do anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, little things that you can't mm-hmm. do anymore. And remember, coming out of uh, um, Pennsylvania, we had the Sandusky laws that came out of um, Penn State. So now you need four. In order to work with youth, you need four clearances mm-hmm. in order to work with youth. You know, wow. So it got a little bit heavy there. Um, um, but my biggest thing was... Um, in pastoral ministry was being able to cater to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that. Right. Pastoral ministry and also youth ministry. I was catering to everything and everybody till I'm losing and lost my family. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't think you heard what I just said. Mm-hmm. You're losing mm-hmm. and in some cases lost your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, but you see, the members don't really care about that. No, as long no, as you show up and you perform, as long as you show up and you do whatever you got to do, is fine. Right. You know, right. they they don't really. And I'm not putting them on blast like that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that, um, you know, when I go to the ba- bathroom, I wipe just the mm-hmm. same way you wipe. Right, right, right. right you know, right. I, I flush the toilet just the same way you flush the toilet. So they look at you in a, a totally different ball game. That that. Uh, that 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 it's 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 this enormous stress that you have in order to perform. Right. Um. I remember a lady. I'm going back to pastoral work. I remember a lady who was passing. Her daughter called me at eleven o'clock. I got up, went to the hospital, prayed, went back home. She called me at two. Hmm. Got up, went to the hospital at two. Came back home. She called me at five. My mother passed and expected me to be back there. And I did go. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are, are you are you getting where yeah. I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, um, because I grew up on the old side of pastoral work, not the new side. Mm -hmm. I'm the last of the Mohican that was picking up their dry cleaners for their pastors mm -hmm. when I was associates. Y'all ain't hear me. Y'all not hear me. We've heard the horror stories. We've heard, heard the horror stories. I'm from the last of the Mohicans that washed my pastor's car or took it to the to the to you know pick up his dry cleaning. We don't do that no more. Right, right, right. We're not into that anymore. So, so as far as I'm concerned, let me just put it on this side for you guys, for you to understand this, and then let's get into Paul's stuff. The churches have been hit with the pandemic, and we're using the pandemic as an excuse when youth ministries was dying before that. Hmm. The pandemic came across to show us that the foundation of our churches are falling apart because we are not paying attention to the children and youth. Yeah. And so then everything is falling apart. And then now we want to find some type of blame mm -hmm. to try to figure out why is it that our churches are not are not where they need to be is because we are not paying attention to children and youth. We would rather have an 11 o'clock worship hour blazing than to rebuild Pathfinders, mm -hmm. which is the only curriculum in Adventism that is the same and baptize. Mm -hmm. All right. So my thing is that I'm leaving this work in order to go into the local work to be able to do what it is that I believe God has called me, uh, uh, has called me to do. And, and we can get into other things. Me and Paul, we're a little bit different now. Now we're different. Mm. I agree with him that we are called, but mm. I do not agree that we are on call. Mm. I know. Let me be clear with that for a second. Now, remember now, I'm in my whole concept now is um, is mental health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I went to school for mental health and now I'm, 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 I have one more year for my Ph.D. in mental health. I, I, I hear you. So now I look back at the pastoral life and people don't give two hoots about the pastor's life or their children or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I called my daughter. And I told my daughter that I'm resigning July 30th as youth department. I'm in the youth thing. She's she's moving back home from Florida. Mm -hmm. Number one. Mm -hmm. She said, Daddy, y'all ready for this? Mm -hmm. Now I can have you back. Mercy. Wow. She's 24. <laughs> now I can have you back. You want to hear the third thing she says? Maybe I'll start loving the church again. Wow. Mercy. Wait, 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 wait. Say it again. That's what she said? I'm going to say it one more time for the crew. When I called my daughter, who decided to move back home, and I told her, I said, babe, I want you to know that um, I, uh, I'm resigning from youth ministries. The first thing that she told me was that I can have my dad back now. Hmm. All right. Next thing she said to me, was maybe I'll start loving the church again. Mercy. That's right. So do you understand the first piece that I'm telling you about when I was always on call as a pastor, then I became on call bigger than that as a youth director. Yeah. And then now having to be able to turn around now and say this, and here, here is what I've said. My prayer, God, is to give me back what the locusts have eaten. Christ. Give me back what the locusts have eaten. So now, and I've talked to Paul about this even before he put the um, post up. I said to Paul, man, I don't even think I know how to pastor anymore. 
Mm. because the church has changed in 10 years. Yeah. Mm. Drastically has changed in 10 years. Right. So I'm at Miracle City. Great church uh, um, uh, left by um, Dave Franklin. Franklin. Mm -hmm. Excellent. What what he did over there. So I'm only over there preaching, but not pastoring. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let y'all go in a second with it. So what ends up happening now with me is that I have to remember this, that when I go back into the church, I still have to sleep at night. I got to eat. I got to wake up. Now, if I'm going to be on call, I'm going to be on call during a certain time. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Now, one of the things that we have had a problem with is that people feel that they can call the pastor at any time and we allow them to do that. You hear what I just said? Yeah. We allow them yeah. to make that move. Right. But then look at Pastor David Defoe. I don't know if everybody knows Pastor David Defoe. Anytime yeah. he's in a church, he has office hours. Mm-hmm. If you miss his office hours, mm-hmm. That's your problem. Right. You understand what I'm saying? But on the flip side of it, you have to be able to take care of you because I did this purposely. I wanted to show show you guys before we get through this. I want you guys to understand that 75% of pastors are extremely stressed out. Mm -hmm. Extremely. 90% work between 55 hours and 75 hours per week. Now, this, this is this is true stats. 90% feel fatigue and weren't worn out every week. 70% say that they are grossly underpaid. Mm. 40% report a serious conflict once a month with a parishioner. Come on. Once a month with a parishioner. Now, Amazing. none of this is saying anything about his family. Mm-hmm. None of it is. So I know that we stretched off coming away from Paul. But I do it from what Paul posted. But if I'm going to be on call, I'm going to be on call. And you have to be able to say, I'm not going to be there right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Pastor Ashmead used to say this. I don't cater to cheap popularity. Mm. And if you're going to be consider yourself a good pastor because you answer everybody's call, I'll see you in the ER. Mercy. Mm. Wow. Mm. Ooh. Okay. Um, I, I think it's good now um, that we have Pastor Paul with us. Uh, I had to mute you because you, you you was driving, so the the, the sound that's, there. So feel mad good. look, by the way. Y'all don't know that's his mad look. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So listen, Paul. We want to thank you so much uh, for being one of us. Welcome to the Confessions Podcast. Um, and just from just from the onset, hopefully you can hear me. Just from the onset, you got that. You, you what what compelled you to play, put on that, that post. post on mm-hmm. Facebook that right. went Adventist viral? What was in your mind? This is your time. Defend, for lack of a better term, the reason why you placed that on Facebook. Um. First of all, I recognize that I'm in a bad spot. So I don't know if you guys can hear me. Yes. Yeah. We um, hear you. you I, hear I can, can you hear me? Okay. okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm ministerial. Um, in in my conference, part of ministerial. I've recognized that in a lot of conferences today, we have lazy pastors. Do you know what I said? We have lazy pastors. <laughs> um. 
I'm not scared to say that we have lazy pastors, but it's, and I agree with everything that everyone is saying. I, I think that when pastors take on being called, you are called as a servant, not as a hireling. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Yes. So, yep. so, so the conference is not worried about um, whether you're going to the hospital or not. The conference are worried about their goals from the churches. Right. Right. Um, but we do have pastors who have to realize that we don't have a nine to five. And if we don't have a nine to five, then what do we have? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm, ju mm -hmm. I'm, just, I'm just sharing that with you, right? If we don't have a nine to five, then what do we have? For, for most past, well, for pastors who are in this industry for a long time, we even have family members tell, telling you, pick up the so-and-so, go here, go there. You know, you know, you, you know, you know, you got time. Okay. Hmm. So a, a lot of times we've got to realize that if we don't have a nine to five, then the call is your calling. Now, wh what I've been seeing is people basically posting, but retired, but they need a time off. I didn't say somebody's supposed to call you during your off day. That's all I was saying. Okay. I, I, I don't, right. So, so someone, your church shouldn't call you on your off day. That's your off day. Or um, if someone is sick in the hospital, if you have that kind of grouping of elders, elders can go. But they're pastors, pastors who want other people to be on the front line so they can stay where they need to stay. And, and I'm going to say this, right? And I'm not afraid to say it, that it makes the rest of us look like hirelings right. instead of those who are called. You see where I'm coming from? Um, and, 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 and so, and so what I'm sharing with you is not, I would never down a pastor and say that you don't need rest or you need to get, you know, be on call. This, this came out of a discussion that I had with a, a sister who was on call as a perfusionist and she had to leave 1230 at night to go because someone was dying. I told him he should have gone to uh I mean someone was dying. They, she needed to do thirty. <laughs> okay, so so am, am I going in? A little now? bit just now. Am I going yeah, in a now? little bit? Go ahead, go ahead. But you, yeah, you're, you're back, back, back. Okay, so let so let so, so let me so okay, so let me say this so that you can continue and I'll be home in a bit. Okay. Let me let me just share this. That I recognize that what she did was life or death. And until we recognize that God has called us for souls that are that are dangling between life and death, then we're not in this for the right reasons. Hmm. Yeah, I hear that. No, I I okay. I agree. Yeah. So so I'm I'm I am not speaking on behalf of those who are who are called to be servants. We are called to be servants. That's why no conference called you. No conference called you. Um, and, and there's a little bit more that we can get into, but you asked, why did I post it? I posted it because I, I find that I hate it. Yeah, I said it. I hate it 
when members say, I don't mind a pastor not being able to be there, but all the time. I, I agree with that, Paul, 100%. Right. You know, this is, a cheap, this is a cheap, cheap plug. Um, for me, I'm I'm writing a book. I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm writing a book called um, "A Few More Miles to Go," and it was my. It was from Oakwood to supposed to be 20 years in pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. and and what I used to what what pastoral ministries meant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember now we learn from old heads you know, how to do, how to do this. You know, there are pastors who have their shirts uh, in their cars and their jackets in their cars with them, just in case they get a call. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I remember those type of pastors. And, and, you know, let me just say this, because there's a whole lot of pastors. The majority of the pastors are doing pastoral work. Mm-hmm. They just don't get plugged for it because they don't do both. Mm-hmm. I would rather be the best pastor and a terrible preacher mm. than to be the best preacher and a terrible pastor. Let me let me tell you the reason why I say that. Because um talk about that in a second. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I'm gonna if you are a shepherd of your flock and you're visiting your members. And, 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 and I got to stick a pin there because members now don't want to be visited like back in the day. Right. Okay? right, right so right. let me just put that out there for everybody who's like, my pastor don't visit. Yeah. When that Negro call you and, and say that he's coming, you, you're like, why? Now why I'm you at the office. I don't Yep. Yep. Don't come over my house. Or not. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that even for even in uh, youth ministries. But here's what I uh, um, when you are a visiting pastor or and you know your people by name. Come on now, we're not talking about Sligo. We're not talking about big, gigantic Brinklow and Ephesus Church. Most of our churches are me- medium-sized to small churches. Yep. Come on, let's not act like we all got big churches. If you don't know your families by name, if you can't st- stay on the pulpit and call them out by name while you're preaching, then you are disconnected from your, your church family. Mm-hmm. you got to be able to at least know who they are. Many of our pastors don't even know the names of the children. You want to win hearts? Mercy. Know the name of the children that's sitting in front of you or the youth that's sitting in front of you. Many of them, many don't have that type of connection. But here's what, what it is. I want to go back to the preacher pastor thing. If you have both, God bless you. Right. But if you can't preach, and you know what I mean by can't preach, if you're reading the newspaper every Sabbath, <laughs> you know, if you're going online right now, you can go to Chat GPT and 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 they'll and it'll it'll make a sermon for you. Uh, yeah, I said it. You can, you know, I don't know how you're going to deliver it because right. it's about the paper. It's about how you're going to deliver it. Right. But you can go to Chat GPT. Right. Uh, write me a sermon on John one. You could do it. Right. But the people would love you and appreciate you more in your wax sermon if you are connected to them and their families in some way or another. Just do the job. Do the work. Okay. This might get a little bit of spinoff, but because you brought it up. Okay. I'll I'll pose this question to the group. So that if if that's the case, and I I don't think that that is 
undeniable. I think everybody would agree you would want a better pastor than you want a better preacher if you had a choice between two. Sure. But then why does the group organization and even the body of pastors celebrate preachers instead of pastors if we want pastors more than preachers listen listen edsel i remember him as a boy i i, I doctor i'm not on me i'm not saying it like that like i'm putting you down i remember no, no. him as a boy yeah. yeah 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 all right and when i when i look at guys like him he makes me proud right and the reason why I'm proud of people like him, Max Gomez, uh, Karsten Rogers, y'all don't know them, them are up and comings. Them are up and comings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See those type of people. I remember when, <laughs> I remember stopping in at C.D. Brooks' office when we used to have our ministerial meetings there for this area. And one day he stopped me and he said to me, I can, I feel safe that you're in the ministry mm -hmm. but i said safe so mm -hmm. etzel gets up and etzel preaches this sermon at oakwood or wherever he preaches at all of all of, all of a sudden he becomes the uh, shining star of the regional work and then it dies after about three months right you go to pelk i'm not i'm not putting pelk out uh, out of here but you because i love going to pelk and pelt the preaching, the preaching, the preaching. But young people, you know what they want? I hate to tell you this, guys, but they want TED Talks. They're not interested in your and your holler and your and your. They're not interested in all of that anymore. They want they want to know where your soul is at. Mm -hmm. They want to know what, what's going on. I'm not saying you can't get happy along the way, but what I want to tell you this is that the organization, oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The organization wants to put the top preachers in spots because it's a false narrative of succession, of, of succeeding. False narrative of succeeding. It, it, they put them in those spots thinking that you're going to get more money more money is going to come through. Ooh. Um, you, they put they put the preachers, the big preachers, at certain spots so that when when voting time comes around, you owe them to stay in political positions. Mercy. All right. Now, now, I'm not saying that the top preacher can't go to the Ephesus or to the Bethel or to the whichever. But guess what, y'all? The pandemic already showed us. Sh it's showing us. That there is no top spot anymore. Nope. No. Mm. No. No top spot. You could be right there in your own um seat, right where you at right now, and have one thousand, two thousand people mm -hmm. following you, and and that's church right now. When I look at Deb Snell, I'm like, this yeah. dude is is amazing. Yeah. But you see, don't forget, Snell was in Mississippi one time. Y'all don't you see nobody remember that or wherever he was. He he was in some small area church one time. Nobody remembered those type of things. Nobody remembers so when they had the Claudia. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I see her. When they had the two church district on the side, nobody remembered when Snell was there. So so when 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 I see Snell and he preaches, I don't look at the top breath of life guy. I don't right. look at that. I see an anointed brother that mm -hmm. God is using. And you see, we'll get mad if Snell turns around and walk away from Breath of Life or walk away from Oakwood to go to a calling. Right. And then we'll say, oh, 
Where's he going? He's left the Mecca. What Mecca? Mercy. Right. What Mecca are we talking about? Now, I'm not here putting down our church. I'm not here putting down our presidents. I'm not here putting down anybody. I see you, Pizzo. Uh, Yeah, look look like like Paul want to bring in. I'm I'm, I'm, going to unmute you. So just in case you want to jump in, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not putting down anybody. I'm saying we need to do it different. Everything Mm. is changing. We need to do it different. Go ahead, Pizzo. My bad. Let me let me say this, and I want to be I want to be clear. Um, I think that we have a poor way of recruiting pastors today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, there's no, there's no there way to recruit from Paul. There's no way to recruit. They're not even graduating them anymore. <laughs> no, no, Paul. Keep, keep going. Keep going. Keep going, Paul. Keep going. What do you What do you mean by that? Well, I have hired seven pastors last year right for the year before and that last year and it takes more than a resume and a video mm-hmm. to bring on a pastor um in in we, we have to learn to train hmm. and i was trained by some of the best pastors in northeastern it's just that they never had a platform of YouTube when, when we were being trained. Right. So, so the ideas of great men, great men, I can't say women because when I was in, there were no women pastors. So I was told to keep my shoes shine. I was told to keep a suit or a shirt in the car with a tie. I was told and to keep quarters in your pocket. Remember, I came out in 94, uh, 93, 94. So right. I didn't have a cell phone. So I take quarters in my pocket. Do you understand where I'm coming from? These these are the little things that that I'm sharing with you that when you're recruiting a pastor, check their heart for ministry before you check their preaching style. Amen. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I would, and and I'm saying this because um, when we talk about being called, I get more emails of people who... (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell y'all right now, right? The other day, I expected, I expected to get a church. I'm telling y'all right now, I know this is live. I expected to get a church, one of the largest churches in our area, because I was moving from one space to another. And you know, I I I, I got this church, five members. My new my new church, five members. Okay. And 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 I recognized that I was working harder. Let me tell you what I said to myself. I said, for 29 years, I've been doing this. Why should I have a five-member church right now? You know, you know, why should I have a five-member church? And I bought into the idea that um, I bought into the idea that I I must earn my stripes. So, you know how we earn our stripes in Northeastern? You pastor in Buffalo. You pastor in mm-hmm. way up there. That's how mm-hmm. you earn your stripes. But I've earned my stripes also by pastors showing you how to do communion, showing you that when someone calls, answer the phone. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, um, when I went to a wedding yesterday, today's what, Monday? I went to a wedding yesterday. A man said to the waitress, feed him first. He just, he's the pastor, feed him first. I said, no, it's okay. He said, excuse me, you're fed first. An older man, younger generation want that without the work. 
and and I'm and I'm saying and I'm saying this right, and um, I saw some people on the post, like Rodney Valentine. Ooh, he was he he posted some he said some harsh things on there, but he's a hard worker. He shouldn't even have posted right. anything. Um um our 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 there's some guys like Saney Tate who posted things, and I was like, yo, you ain't supposed to be posting that. The way you work, you need a day off. You need two days off. But but you can see that it triggered. I'm telling my man um, Etzel right now. Etzel was triggered by the post. If you heard what he said earlier. Wow. He needs to go yeah, to Starbucks. I didn't, like it. I, I didn't he, press the like button. He said a lot. Etzel doesn't know that he's triggered by as you know, you, as you triggered by something, bro. Yeah, I'm triggered. Yeah, triggered. You listen. We don't even like that word triggered, but okay, we triggered. You know, one of the listen. One of the biggest things that that pastoral work has to be able to understand is that pastors are real people. Absolutely. Um, pastors when when they are stressed out, when we are stressed out. Some of us don't smoke. We might drink. Some of us might not drink. Might smoke. We we turn to behaviors that um that that we would normally not turn to. And I know the first thing we all gonna think about is sex. That's the first thing, sex or money or whatever. We have certain behaviors that we turn to television and watch it all day just so that we could we turn to sports, watch it all day just to get away from the church life. Yeah, Boston, Boston, Pat, Boston. I got it, I got it. I knew it was coming. I got it. I got it. Paul, I'm about to take you off this street. I knew it was coming. <laughs> no, but but can I just interject there, sure. right? Sure. As as the lay person in the group, a lot of the times I put a lot of that back on us as lay people because okay. pastors cannot work in isolation, right? And I always say that pastors have some of the most difficult jobs because listen. Even at work, if I'm supervising educators that are trained to do their job and are getting paid, it is difficult. So when you're a pastor and you're training lay people who are volunteering their time for free, who have various educational backgrounds and understanding and work ethics, it is difficult. And if you don't have people in your churches or in your ministries or in your departments that are willing to help you do the work, it is isolating. It is frustrating. It is everything that you can imagine. And, and it, it just makes the work more difficult. And so to those lay people that are watching, like join in with our pastors and do this work. They can't do it by themselves. 100%. It's not a one person job. They are leading us, but it's not something that they should be doing alone. I love trying that. To pay. You're, trying, you're trying to get me to pay you some money over there. Yeah, that's what he's trying to do. Come, come on. Listen, <laughs> you're so right. No. When pastors get together and work on calendars, sermons, uh, theological points, it, it is such a beautiful experience. Yes. But one of the challenges that keeps pastors isolated is one: a lot of pastors are low key competing with one another. That's right. Um, that's so it. there's this low key competition of like who's outdoing who and who's getting what preaching gigs and what opportunities are there. And it's really unfortunate. It's something I, I think I see shifting a bit in our context. And I hope I see it more and more because I see people celebrating 
a lot of yeah. the the preachers that would be called like the top preachers or the top pastors they're being celebrated by other pastors and i think that that's a really that's a really beautiful thing like pastor it's a cadet who who's the, 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 the main speaker the baccalaureate speaker at oakwood university let me let me let me share this with you let me share this with you if you look at some of the pastors that have three 30 people in their churches but but they're but you're watching their YouTube and it may have two or three people on there. Remember now, we don't have top preachers anymore. We have top platforms. Mm. And oh, say that again. Say that again. What, what is a top platform? Say it. Yep. Talk. Talk well, about well, that. Well, you, you, you got to look at. You have to understand that there's a guy named uh, uh, Johnson. His name is Damian Johnson. Pat, you know Damian Johnson, Seabrook Church. Yep. Okay. Damian Johnson is one of the best preachers in this area it's just it's just that his platform is not to 8,000 people or to 2,000 people so once if you have a platform you could have a basement preaching from a basement and your platform is 8,000 people right. then then you're going to be quoted you understand where I'm coming from With so problem. you got to understand that when you move from when you move from a certain place to a certain platform, I can preach the same sermon at my church right now that has 70, 80 people in there. I can take that sermon and preach that, that same sermon at Andrews University and people will quote from me because of the platform. But right. but but let me also say this. Let, let me also say this. That so same I'm that's... not taking any uh, I'm not taking any I'm, I'm not taking anything away from anyone. I'm he should have stopped at Starbucks. So, <laughs> I mean, I keep trying, but here's the thing. Let me add this. He just talked about Damian Johnson. I went to my father's house this week. This, and my father said to me, Pastor Johnson just called to see how we were doing. Wow. All right. So he's okay. never going to get the accolades for that. Yeah, he's yeah. never going to get the accolades for calling his members uh, and not not because tithe is dropped or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. So there are people who are doing their work. Mm -hmm. They're just not, you know, the baccalaureate speaker of. Um, okay. But let me let me let me just tell you this. Um, very important. And I'll say it because Ed, so you, you guys are young, you guys are young pastors in this burnout is real. Mm -hmm. And when you burn out, they'll move you to a place where people can't see your burnout. Mm -hmm. We have to get to the point of where ministerial directors are not about moving you around, but about the healing process that's happening in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Ministerial directors need to be at a place where instead of figuring out who's going to be at the top money spot is to figure out how can I coach mm. you go to key words? How mm. can I coach pastors to be better pastors without losing their children, without losing their family and without losing their soul? Mm. Nobody Mercy. talks about the pastor's soul. Everybody just talks about what is it that they can do in order to bring more in. That's why you find a lot of, let me tell you something. My biggest mistake was hanging up, uh, hang out, hanging out with a bunch of millennials. I'm not a millennial. I'm a, um, I'm a Gen Xer mm -hmm. and millennials, they different. Yeah. They just different. <laughs> millennials. They don't talk with this. They don't, they don't talk with their mouth. 
They talk with their feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right? that's what we do. I, I mean, it, it's it's just the way it is. So when I start to look at millennials say, no, nah, you're not going to treat me that way. I'm going to go work at McDonald's mm-hmm. because the people that walk in, they appreciate me flipping burgers. Right. right. The problem is that when I come and I, and, I, and I talk to your family or I help you with something, you don't appreciate what I'm bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that there's a new type of ministry. It's not a new type of ministry, but there needs to be some type of appreciation for the work mm-hmm. that is being done. And so here is so yes that's right somebody said uh, uh she said that we know our worth and I and I get that I I appreciate that one of the things that 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 we need to be able to do I got a book here that says I see it what if god wrote your to-do list mm-hmm. wow what if god wrote your to-do list right if God wrote your to-do list and somebody calls you, mm. you have to find a way for them to fit in your servanthood. Mm-hmm. You know what I just said? You got to mm-hmm. find a way for them to fit in your servanthood. So mm-hmm. if somebody calls me at one, I got a call in the mo- uh, two, two o'clock in the morning that the bed was levitating. Mm. Mercy. Negro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I have to ask myself the question, am I going to go over there? Are my sins forgiven? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, come on. Am I ready for that assignment? Are you ready for that? Are you ready yeah. to go in there and sing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. thing out? Are you, are you ready to go in there and pray that thing out? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to go in there? And, I got that call where I said, mm-hmm. I got somebody for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But tonight that person ain't me. Mm-hmm. Are you understanding? Now, now, and you have the other ones where there are people who, this is true, mm-hmm. who who uh, sprained their ankle, mm-hmm. and they're calling you to the emergency room because they sprayed sprained their ankle. While Meanwhile, I need to pick up my kids at three, mm-hmm. and I'm telling my kids wait in aftercare because I got to go to the sprained ankle before I come home. Now I'm flustered. So the kids are in the back seat while I'm driving and I'm upset about what just happened. And if, when I should have been taking it out on brother so-and-so with the sprained ankle, I'm now taking it out on my kids. Right, right, right. right. Uh, are you getting what you, you see yeah, a vicious yeah. cycle that's going round yeah. and round and round and round. I'm spending one day. My little daughter said to me, I'm telling you, she's a something. She said to me while I was in pastoral work, daddy, you pray different with them than you pray with us. Mercy. Because some of what we do is performative, Doc. Some of what we do is performative because it is expected. Yo, listen, I, like I said, uh, I prayed and I asked God, give me back what the locusts have eaten. Mm-hmm. See, uh, That's yeah. all I'm asking for. Give me back what the locusts have eaten. And I'm not saying that my time and all of this, I'm not saying that. What I want to tell you guys is this, and those who are listening to this, pastoral work. If you're not called to do it, you're going to burn out anyway. 100%. Period. Because this work is a selfless work. But your family is your first church. Your family is your first of everything. When that starts breaking apart, you're going to start giving the church more than you give your family. And and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with that. Then the Listen, let's just be real about this. Then the demons see what you're lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Come on, y'all. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something, guys. You want to get into it? I know time is rolling, but I'm going to tell you this. Most of my anxiety, depression, um, came from church work. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I used to pull up to the church before I made the turn. Mm-hmm. I had to throw up before I got to into the church. All right. Listen to me, guys. When I got to that place of, first of all, my wife, Trini, I can't beat her. But when you get to the place of being at a place where you want to lash out on your children and lash out on the kids. And I, w- I used to drive and stop at, the, at a stop sign, at, at stoplight, and fall asleep. Because I'm trying to figure out, is Sister So-and-So going to like me if I go ahead and call her, call her back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's draining. So, so I'll stay up all night trying to figure that thing out. It's called approval addiction. Mm. And I was suffering from approval addiction. So that was the first 11, 12 years of my life. Then God healed me from it. And I went back into youth ministries. And by the fourth, fifth year, Mm. I'm back into approval addiction again. Mm. So I'm going through this vicious cycle of going right back to where I was in the office when I was at when I was in the church. So mm-hmm. here I am now. If the president don't say you did a good job, now I feel like, oh, maybe I didn't do a good job. If they don't hail you up like everybody else, now you feel like you're right back into this thing again. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, yeah. God showed me. And I'm not trying to be funny. Let me let me tell you this. God showed me it was time for me to go. Okay, for my sanity and for his work. And may I never repeat that again. So I don't care if they send me to a tiny church or they send me to a big church. Mm. I need to go to sleep before 10. It's Mm -hmm. 930 something now. And I'm in my bed at 10 Mm o'clock. So nobody disturb that. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about heaven have to come down and glory fill your soul for me to get up and get into my car and come down to where you at. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not putting Paul to the side about being called. I love what I do, but Mm -hmm. you have to be first. Yeah. 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 One of the things I I, I honor the Gen X pastors because part of our education as pastors, we not only learn in terms of seminary or whatever school we went to, but part of our education is emulation, finding a pastor to to kind of try to be like, Mm -hmm. learn from them. And then it's also affirmation, what the members affirm, what the conference affirms, all of that paints a picture of what we think we need to become. That's right. And, exactly. And part of, part of that image that had been painted was you need to be all things to all people all the time at all times, like yeah. to the sacrifice and to the detriment of your families. And that was like lauded by either church members or uh, sometimes conference leadership, uh, depending on who was where at what time. Right. right. And... The, the the freedom you see in millennials, the freedom you see in Gen Z pastors that are coming up is because Gen X pastors showed us and you were open and you were bold and you were like, I'm not sacrificing my, my family. And you were now, willing to go more. That's, that's now though. Yeah. That's well, now. I mean, I've been in ministry 10 years now and mm-hmm. I started hearing it back then. Okay. So okay. You that's guys, good. You guys were saying it 
And it, it set off a light bulb for a lot of us as millennial pastors to start sure. setting some strong boundaries right. around Absolutely. our families and our, and our and that happened because there were pastors that we emulated that were willing to speak up and not not hold us up as a badge of honor. And I just want to thank you guys for being open and being transparent and being willing to say those things. Because if it weren't for you, we would have we would have to be the ones to say it. And you've made it easier for us to be able to say no and to set those boundaries. My first Sabbath at my new church, I, every church I go to, my first Sabbath, I set boundaries. I let the church know these are my boundaries. These are my days off. This is date night. Don't pass messages to my wife. Like I let them know. I set, I set, I set the, I set the expectation, and I let them know I'll be there. But she's not an employee of the conference. That's right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. That's Listen, right. y'all need to do another show. Mm -hmm. On my wife is not first lady. <laughs> and and you got to come back. And you got to come back. I don't even want her to come back. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's another show altogether because back in the day, you had to be light skinned, play the piano, teacher, mm -hmm. or whatever to be a pastor's wife in order to follow him everywhere that he goes. The new pastor's wives now are like, Negro, please, I got my job. Right. Listen. I'm probably one of the only ones in a in a in a while. I have never moved my house. I've never left my house from the time I got into pastoral ministry. God bless. She works for the government. You know how that go. Uh, and so she ain't leaving until until that all happens. Oh, yeah. But 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 the but but thank you for saying that. I have to I have to tell you, um, you got more years to go. Mm -hmm. We need people like you guys that won't quit along the way. Um, uh, we still need people in, you see, you got guys like you, who's now going getting their PhDs. We could triple our salaries. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I mean, David Franklin. Did you see, did you yeah. see it? Did you see it? My man. I'm not saying everything is for money, but I'm just saying, did you see it? But there Listen, are I'm not even finished. I'm not even finished my PhD yet. And I'm already getting calls to run agencies at $160,000. Huh? What? So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not saying I'm not going to do it or I am going to do it. But I want to I feed something into you guys before we leave. <coughs> Once a Snell decides he wants to leave, and I'm just calling it out. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have no evidence. No, Snell has said nothing no, tonight. <laughs> nothing going on. Once, once, but you see this though. Come on, you got youth directors that has left Allegheny West, yeah, and that has taken a church in Queens. <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 listen, it's the truth. It's the truth. When, when being a youth director twenty years ago was the seat to presidency, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah, the yeah. black work. If you were a youth director, you were going to be the president one day coming. Now you got youth directors that say, hold on a second. I'm going, I'm, I'm circling the globe in my conference. I can't even rest. So, so, so here's the thing that I, and the reason why I brought up Snell or people who leave, the worst thing that comes to us is that when we decide to leave, people say, why are he leaving? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got more people talking about, oh, he leaving because something happened. I got more people saying he leaving because something is going on or something is this, this, that, and the other. Why can't we respect? You see what I'm saying? Why can't we just so jacked that it expects you to try to climb? 
Say that one more time. Because the culture is so jacked that it expects you to try to climb. And, and you're right about that. I, yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. Testing. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? We yeah. can hear you. Yeah, I'm, sorry, hear you. I'm sorry. So the, you see, here it goes again. Climbing is not this. Mm-hmm. Climbing is this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and I, again, you know, here's the issue again. And, and I, I was listening to you all as you were going on. The issue that we're having now is that the ministry is now about who's here and who's here, mm-hmm. who has this and who has this. And, you know, and this is one of the reasons, again, why I wrote what I wrote. It wasn't to say that we should be tired. It wasn't to say that we should tire out ourselves. It was, it is that there's a standard to being a pastor. Absolutely. There's a standard to being a, 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 a shepherd. Um, and part of being a shepherd is, I'm gonna, I hope I'm going to say this the best way possible, that a shepherd, and I learned this when I was in Israel, a shepherd's job is to walk behind the sheep. And not only leading the sheep, but walk behind the sheep and sheep let out crap while they're walking. (laughs) Shepherds don't jump over crap. They walk in it and clean it later, clean their feet later. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So when I find that there are pastors who do this for comfort, for a comfort job, or or they want to go into the office because the office is a comfort spot. Um, I'm finding that in the West Indies, Inter-American Division, you you are a a, mini, a, a, a leader and you have a church. Mm. You see where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. Or what I'm finding out is that when you're no longer a president, you don't go back to a church. You think it's under it be it's below you to do that. Right. Right. And so and so or the, the message that I'm sending here is that being a part of ministerial, um, being a part of of at least in the past, in this sense of, of recruiting people, don't say that you're called to the ministry if you're not called to servanthood. Mm-hmm. Don't say that you're not called to ministry and not be uncomfortable. Do you understand where I'm coming from? And so when I find that a lot of us are, are remember at one point we all were dressing to preach, now we're not dressing to preach. Right. Um, um, we, we don't, I don't even, I've never even, if you go online right now, I've heard nobody from the age of 45 and under speaking about doctrine. Yeah. You understand where I'm coming from? Um, I listen to stuff on Sunday and I hear it in our pulpits. Okay. And so I just want to be clear that I'm not downing pastors. All I'm saying is that if you want to be called to do this, then part of your calling is answering a call. <laughs> if you, you see where I'm coming from. Um, we, ain't, we, ain't, we ain't doubting I, that. I, I have, I have um, a frustration, though, which I think is a part of why we come to the conclusions that we come to, why younger pastors fall into the conclusion of thinking that they have to be better preachers than pastors and everything that we've said. And it's because, and it's, I think this is a reality that I don't think many people recognize that our circles, whether social and, um, you, you know, professional, educational, they're all in the same place. 
that that I don't have a social group that doesn't necessarily see my professional life. And 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 the luxury of I'm sorry, this is not my camera went up. Thank God just took him up. The, <laughs> the luxury that many people have in being able to fail at their job but still have their social life unaffected right. is not the plight of the minister. Right. It's true. It's right. not the plight. And so right. now the the minister is trying to overcompensate, fall into what Pat said of the, the pressure of, uh, of of getting gaining popularity for the sake of overcompensating in air in other areas other than professional. And so now <laughs> People who want to love the, the the approval because it's that approval that gives them a confidence, not necessarily even in my professional range, but just being a person. What, 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 and, and, and let's not even speak about um, love languages, right? I'm a person. I, I, I'm firmly whether this is good or bad. Don't tell I them you love too. Don't tell them you love. They're gonna use it against you. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't matter. Hey, text it I'm to a me. person text who I'm words of affirmation. Text it. I am words of affirmation. You don't have to give me a single gift, but if you tell me good job, that's dangerous. It affirms boy. me. That's dangerous. Absolutely. And, and, how do you? How do you? How do you govern in this difficulty that the what, what do we call that the, those circles? That di diagram, but you put all the circles. Oh, the Venn diagram. Venn diagram. Thank that's you. That's the world in which we live in. And many and everybody doesn't live in that paradigm. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, Dutty. Listen, the approval addiction mm, right. that flows outside of our paychecks Boy, good. is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. And and and, and <laughs> for those who are listening on their podcast, um, Pat just zoomed in. Anyway, don't worry about it. <laughs> It's, it's the approval addiction is unbelievable. It is. Um, and so, so real quick, uh, Kristen just put most many, many, not most, many pastors are narcissistic, are narcissists. Listen, this podcast can go for months on this alone. Narcissists, you're to Paul, Paul, give me a second, Paul. Um, Ingrid was just talking about how pastors can listen if you if you put together a team behind a pastor. I was talking to uh, Gomez, Max. I was talking to Max Gomez this, this afternoon. And I wasn't trying to be overheadish with him. Mm -hmm. Got some great plans in his two church district. Two church, I said. This dude just got off of Oakwood and he got a two church district, right? And I said to him, pray. Make sure you pray because nobody, God is not talking to the elders of the church. God is instructing the pastor of the church, whether he's this, that, or the other, he's instructing them. When you put together a team, Ingrid, like you were talking about before, it's going to take the church. You don't have to ask for a, um, uh, you know, those people who protect the pastor. People will always protect the pastor. They will always protect your children. They will. They don't have to like you, but they will protect you. They don't have to like you. I know That's people right. who don't like the pastor, but they love them. That's mm -hmm. right. 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 That's key. It that is, is the key. key. It is key. And I'm going to tell you another thing. 
the pastor don't got to like them either. That's right. But you got to love them. As a, as a shepherd, your job is not to like the people. It's your it's job. Let me tell you something. There's a man, uh, he has, he's actually going to break low now. His name is um, Pastor um, Harris, Marcus Harris. He was a mentor of mine when I was having problems at the Columbia Church. I can say it. No big problem. No big problem. And he gave me a little book that says The Way of the Shepherd or something like that. It's a small little book. And I read that book. I learned that it wasn't time for me to move to my next district until I loved the people mm-hmm. who I believed at that time hated me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As the shepherd, when they have those maggots in their nose, mm-hmm. as the shepherd is your job to go back in there and clean it out. Okay, it's quiet now. It's quiet. <laughs> As the shepherd, that is your job. So when they talk about, you know, uh, breaking the oil and the oil r- runneth over, remember, theologians, that oil mm-hmm. is really there mm-hmm. when you pour it out on them so that when, when uh, so that the, the, the maggots and all that could come, to, come out of their ears and their nose, and you got to go behind it and clean it out. If you're not ready to do that as a yeah. pastor, you are not ready to do the work. Right. Yes, listen. And let, let me let me let me say this. It is a fact, right? It is a fact that pastoring is a lost art. It is. Okay. It is. Um, and sadly enough, there are pastors who run their churches like Hitler. <laughs> there are it's a, it's a fact, all right? There are there are pastors that are not good to look at as as people who are, you know, are into the work. I remember when I first started the ministry, this brother told me, I remember this brother told me, he said, the one thing about ministry is that you can always get away with messing around with a woman. I remember that. He said, your, your schedule is so beautiful. Your schedule is always, you, the way your schedule is. And I said, I'm 23 years old. And that's what you're telling me? Seriously, 23 years old. And that's what you're telling me. And I recognized right after that, that what works for me as a pastor is setting my schedule because if i don't set my schedule for the week or i don't set my schedule for the day yo man i'm done you know what i'm saying i'll be outside gardening or i'll be at the mall i'll be at so and so whatever it's my it becomes my free day and i really think that one of the uh, the hardest things that we we have in ministry today are pastors who are able to say this is what i do we're ashamed of what we do a lot of us are ashamed of what we do. We will be in circles and won't say that we're pastors. You know, um, um, we're getting doctorates. I'm going to share this with y'all. I ain't scared of y'all when I say this. We're getting doctors that has nothing to do with your growth as a pastor. Mm. Nothing. Or, you're not e- or they're not even using it. For or me. You, well, that's what I meant. It's, you, you, can't, you can't use it. Mm-hmm. You understand where I'm coming from? And, and, I, and I'm saying this simply because that I love pastoring. Mm-hmm. I do. One of the mistakes I think we make is that ministerial, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, ministerial in state conferences know what they're doing. Ministerial in regional conference, they are not on par. I mean, Northeastern, I love Northeastern, right? You know I love Northeastern. Northeastern should not have just two ministerials. <laughs> you, you need more. You got to have somebody that's dealing with family, someone that's dealing with coaching. I I coached for two years 
38 pastors every month I had to meet with them to coach with them. You understand where I'm coming from? How about this? The president in my conference has nothing to do, nothing to do with recruiting. He does not hire. <laughs> Come on, man. Pastor Tap does not hire pastors. Um, um, the ministerial team and the personnel team hire pastors. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So what are we looking for in Northeastern? What are we looking for in Allegheny East? What are we looking for in Allegheny West? We're looking for guy, a guy that did well on that 11 o'clock that you were sitting at and said, that's the guy. That ain't the guy. Pete, Pete, Pete. If you come from Northeastern, you know, we got to defend, Blue, we got to defend Moda. Those are our peoples. Hold on. Let me be clear, right? I'm not offending anyone. Okay. Moda, Moda and whoever is the head person is that, is that, um, um, Blue. Dr. Blue, Blue. right? Blue. I want to be clear, right? Okay. I want to be clear. Okay. I've been in Northeastern. I've been in Northeastern, right? I've, I've, I, I'm not saying that they're not doing what they're supposed to do. What I'm saying is there is more to more do. To do. I, Paul, yeah. let me, let me go. Let me, let me take you to another level. We need to get, uh, you know, it should be Michelle, right? Pastor Michelle and Blue sitting down with these, um, with, with, uh, recruiting. P. Hold on, hold on, back. Not people who said, this is my friend, right? Um, it, this is my friend and this friend, I know they can preach and they can preach well. You, you understand where I'm coming from? We should be constantly recruiting, constantly checking. That's what the baseball teams do. You understand where I'm coming from? And when you have someone like Michelle and you have someone like Blue who has two different um, um, mindsets, really, that can come together, two genders that can come together. Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm not saying this weird. I'm not saying that they're doing it wrong. What I'm saying is that there is more to do. Pat, you said it, coaching. Yeah, coaching well, well, well this, this is the point. This is the point I want to make. And then I got to go to bed. Let me explain something to you guys. I'm gonna be. I'm 53. Yo, you're 52. You're 52. 52. <laughs> I'm 52. This year, 53. Um, I should. I have about 10 more years in this work. I mean, when regional conferences were on their were were at their peak, peak, the presidents was 41, 42, 43 years old. Talk about it. It was holding down Ephesus Church and DuPont Park and and Bereans and how old was E.C. Ward when he was pastor of Oakwood Church? You're young. They were young. See, I'm not saying old people or like because I'm old now. I'm not saying that we can't do the work. I'm saying when I listen to some of these young bucks talk about the church, there needs to be a change. We can no longer do things the way we used to do them. Everything needs to change. And we're so afraid of changing. Let me tell you something. If you put a 40 something year old as a president of any of our conferences now, you know, what he's going to do. He's going to walk in there and he's going to say, uh, uh, Abyssinian Baptist Church. He's also the pastor of, uh, he's also the president of the, of, of a school. He's also the, this, this, that, any other, he's going to say, if you're a youth director, you need to be in a church. 
showing us what your lab looks like. If you are a um life uh, a a a, minish, a, a family, family life director, family life director, you need to be in a church as a pastor, showing everybody else how it's done. They will do that. Then you're gonna see that going up to the office. Let me tell you what going up to the office mostly is. You take the best of the best, and you take them the boots off the ground, mm-hmm. and you put them in a place of stagnant, of 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 of, of just dry water. Yeah. Because you're actually sitting in a place where, let me just tell you this, in a local church, if I wanted to have a lock-in, I could do it in two weeks. Right. As a youth director, if I wanted to have a lock-in, it would take about four or five months Mm. to have a Mm lock-in. By the time you want to have a lock-in in those four or five months, the interest is over. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I said I was going to write a book on youth ministries. And at the bottom of it, it says, how to build your AY this book was self-destruct in six months. Wow. It, it only makes sense because things change so quick. Mm-hmm. And by the time you turn around and try to do ministry, this is one of the reasons why I don't mind going back to the churches because everything that I want to do, that I always wanted to do, it, you have to jump through all these hoops mm-hmm. on the conference level in order to get something done. And I understand why. Trust me, I understand why there's insurance claims. There's all of these things that you got to go through. I understand that. But on the flip side of it, can you imagine what it's like? I always believe that Christian education should be free. Hmm. Could you imagine being a part of a church and you show them on a local level where it can be done? We yeah. spend more money on buildings than we do with children and youth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On, I want you to think about that. So as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned, oh, and by the way, there's a lady that was on here that said something about she has no confidence in, no confidence in, pastors. in pastors. And that's fine. You better not have any. You should have no confidence in pastors. Your confidence is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Leave it up to that because if you if you really know what your pastors go through, you'd be you'd be shot to high hell. And mm-hmm. and 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 here and here's here's another thing that I wanted to share. Right, pastors have a complex that that laymen would never understand, and that co- and that complex is to save you and yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a it's a sad complex. We don't we don't have a god complex, right? We we have a I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. We we don't have a god complex. We have a a complex where we feel like we can never measure up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and and it's true, but you see, here's the crazy thing is that it's also imposter. We we can it's a, of course it is. Mm-hmm. The the issue that we have is that we're not able to this is what you, I want you to hear what, this is what you said before. And so we're not able to talk to each other and be vulnerable with, with each nah. other as pastors nah. to, to say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. You're um, right. We don't, we don't have that. And, and I'm going to say this again. If Michelle was on, if Dr. Blue was on, I know Dr. Blue very well. Right. I think that, I think workers meetings and, and it's really pastors meetings, right. But workers meetings, should be a place where more breakout sessions are happening. It should be a place of where budget, where we, they're teaching us how to budget certain things. They, they, there's so many things that we should be doing in workers meetings or, or in pastors meetings that will help us to be on par with our members who are way up here. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you understand where we're coming from? And, and, and this is what I love. I love when members say things like, yo, get rid of that camera, Paul. I love it. 
my pastor is not using that laptop anymore. Mm-hmm. My pastor's not doing so. So if I can look good at my job, our church can look good also. You, you understand where I'm coming yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna go back to my original statement, right? And here I want to call. Here go the call stuff coming. Here we go. It's, what this way? This where This where it was. Um, you. I don't know if I should have stopped at Starbucks, Patrick. Pat, 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 right? <laughs> but and so I really I'm grateful that you that you gave me the call, and I'm and, and I'm and I'm and I'm honored. You got to make the stink face. Hey, this is their podcast. This is not. This is not. Um, okay, my fault. I am with the gram. Yeah, um, listen. We're gonna merge it. We're gonna just. Yeah. <laughs> my, my 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 issue that I'm that that I'm having right now. Why I wrote what I wrote is that even sometimes I get tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this to you all because I can say it. And Ingrid, maybe I'm going to bypass you when I say this. Mm-hmm. I need to reach a place in my life that I recognize that I'm called by God and not a conference. Right. Mm-hmm. My stress is not necessarily people. Mm-hmm. The stress is hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Are you understand where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. And so, And so I want us to get to a place. I want to get to a place where if... I should lose my job tomorrow and not moral issues or whatever. If I should leave and go into teaching or if I leave and go and, you know, dig up dirt, I'm not trying to be funny that mm-hmm. I recognize that I'm still called. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know where I'm from. The yeah. expectations does not come from the conference. Mm-hmm. The expectations come from the people. Yeah. And, and Edsel, you are, you are magnificent when you say, when I go to a new church, I lay down expectations. And set boundaries. And set boundaries. And set boundaries. Yeah. You know, you want to know when I set boundaries? I started setting boundaries in December. I had no boundaries at Restoration Praise Center. Mm. None. People came to my house at three o'clock in the morning with their issues. Mm. I had none. Oh, you understand, you understand where I'm coming from? And the only reason why I was able to, to hold my family together mm-hmm. is because if I didn't go through a situation 17 years ago, mm-hmm. I would not have realized that my family is my first church. Mm-hmm. You understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I probably would have lost my family to approval addiction. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this podcast, this 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 opportunity to speak about why I wrote what I wrote is because I believe that if you're called to ministry, whether you're getting a paycheck or not, you are a servant, mm-hmm. but not a foolish servant. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You're a servant, but not mm-hmm. a food servant. One, one, one other thing, Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid, for setting us as pastors uh at ease, okay, with the fact that sometimes you got to recognize stress management. That, that mm-hmm. it's us. It's it's, it's lay people. Mm-hmm. It's it's lay people. Um, in my new church, no Mondays, mm-hmm. no Mondays, no Mondays at all. Do you understand what I mean? No Mondays. Right. Somebody called me and I was like, no Mondays. No Mondays. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we have to be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have to be consistent. Yeah. I, I, I want to go ahead. Go ahead. I've been talking. No, no, no. I just, well, first, let me just give a shout out to my pastor because I know he's watching and he was asking, oh, there he goes, Dr. Michael Harvey. Yeah. And he was asking if you had a matrix um, of what a pastor should look like. I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. question. But I just want to say that one of the things that I've recognized as a lay person that has worked with many pastors, mm-hmm. especially in youth, youth ministries, ministries, man, is that I know, right, as an educator, it's a completely different ball game, right? 
when I was going through my divorce, I didn't have to worry about, am I going to lose my job? What are people going to say? What are they going to ask me? You know, what's going to be mine? I don't worry about any of that. You know what I'm saying? I was able to walk away and still keep my dignity, my pride. You know, some of my colleagues even encouraged, you know. Man, we we didn't even know you were divorced. That's how deep it was. Right, exactly. You know, so I, you know, I really commend pastors for the work that they do with having lives and spouses and children. And that's why, you know, I'm cool with all of you. You know what I'm saying? And you already know one thing I will never do is speak about anything that we speak about because Mm -hmm. that's our business as friends. And I really hope that there are more people that are genuinely befriending pastors because pastors need genuine friendships, people that they can trust, people that they can go to when they're having a rough day, just like we need people we can go to when we're having a rough day at work or when, you know, we're having a, you know, a difficult day with our spouse, our children or whatever the case is. So, you know, I just really commend all of you. And I'm glad that I can be a source of support and a friend. You know, and anything else that I need to be, you know, to support your ministry. I have a question just before, because I know you're done. And I, I, I checked out your other podcast. I was done in an hour and a half and we're, we're, we're done. We're, we're done. Um, does my beloved Northeastern, does my beloved Northeastern have free counseling for pastors, therapy for counseling? Yes. yes. I'm, I'm going to say this. mine too, by the way. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, right? Mine too. I, I heard you. Right? <laughs> I'm going to say this the administration that i've seen happen at northeastern in the past years is phenomenal it is phenomenal you're looking for a job p no doubt because chris and josiah is on Um, 23 i was 23 years old and i'm not sure how i made it 23 i'm in my 29th year of ministry and i'm not sure how i made it patrick has liquor at his house me i have I ain't no look at my house. <laughs> they might, they might be uh, Prozac or one of those, but they ain't no look at my house. I, honestly, guys, I want to, I want to, I really do want to thank you for, in, in, you know, you were the first ones when I decided that I was going to put it on Facebook, and that's not the first place I put it. I, I, I've talked to my, you know, I, you know, some people put things on first Facebook first. That was, Facebook was my fourth move. So I don't mm-hmm. want anybody to think that I just threw it up on Facebook because I was mad about something right. that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the sad part about it is that my character or my personality made it seem as though something happened. It, um, I, and I feel bad about that, that the first thing that I put out about me leaving was what went wrong instead of what went right for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody's thinking about what went right for me. Um, um, I also know we talked about competition and uh, the amount of people who want this job, mm-hmm. Mercy. They, they can they have it, know. but they can't have my house. Mm-hmm. They can have my seat at the, up there, but you can't have my house, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't care about the people who are, who are fighting for this position or that position. You know, uh, today, Carmela, Carmela, um, basketball player. Oh, Carmelo Anthony. Anthony, mm-hmm. I was watching where he retired and he did a video. And what he said is that, you know, what I'm about to do now is bigger than basketball. Mm-hmm. 
when God is calling me to do something bigger than youth ministries, I'm not putting down youth ministries. I love youth ministries. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I don't care what church I go to. You're not going to have a better Pathfinder club than me. You're not going to have a better adventure club than me. You're not going to have a better Bible bowl club than me. You're not going to get none of that while I'm there. But the point is this, when God calls you from one place to another, how dare we Mm. turn around and say to that person, Well, you should stay mm-hmm. right where you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Norman Miles, pa- President Norman, Pastor Norman Miles, he called me, and I want you guys to hear this. He said to me, What a monumental decision. That is better for you to make your move on your own mm-hmm. than for a committee to make a move for you. Golly. Freedom in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I go out proud i go out ready to hit the ground running mm-hmm. i want to know now what it's going to be to be a mercenary like you guys on the floor the floor level i want to know now what it's going to be like to knock on doors real evangelism i, I ain't knocking on doors but go ahead bro you know uh, you know what i mean real evangelism i want to see i want to know what that is like i want to pause pat did you see gary just came on <laughs> did you just see that he's late he lately. No. Oh my gosh, he's terrible. I, I said it to him. I sent this to him like around like six o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, he was doing the air, so believe me, he knew. Just yo, 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 this. Don't let your children, don't let your children turn around. There are people that just came on late because I said it in the beginning. Yeah. I said, my child said to me, I just want to recap this. My child yeah. said to me, and she's 24. When I told her that I resigned, she said, What did I say again? She said, Dad, I can now have my daddy back. Mm-hmm. And the second thing she said after that, maybe was, I can learn to love the church. Maybe again. I could learn to love the church again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that. That's deep for me. Y'all could have, mm-hmm. you could have it all, in order for me to keep my family. That's right. Have it all. That's there, right. Was, there was a question that was asked that I want to answer. I just want to drill in on this. This is this is the last thing I'll say, because um, it kind of came up, but I want to make sure that we're hitting it on the head. Somebody asked, how can we help support the pastor's mental health? Mental health issues, yeah. And one of the things that we were saying is it's so important to protect your pastor. There are members who get off on taking the pastor down a peg or two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mercy. They don't have power on the job. Yes. They don't have power at home. Yes. They want to show that they're the boss by how mm-hmm. they can manipulate the pastor, control the pastor, mm-hmm. talk about the pastor, discourage the pastor. And when you think about everything you've heard about pastors dealing with anxiety, Pat going yeah. over on the road, throwing up. For me, I have to have two cell phones. People think I'm balling. It's not because I'm balling. It's because I couldn't answer my phone anymore because every single time my phone went off, it was a problem. And now when family reaches out or friends reach out, I don't want to touch my phone because I'm associating with issues, right? That I have to separate the worlds, right? So when we, when you think about what your pastors are dealing with, Yes, pastors are not always showing up the way that they should. But when you see that, that is a sign that the pastor is struggling in an area that you cannot see. A lot mm-hmm. of times we judge these athletes because they grow up in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. Your pastor is also growing up right in front of you. They're learning to Absolutely. lead right in you. Not only that, a lot of us, if you suck at your job and you still bring home a check, you're a hero when you go home. The pastor's family has to hear every bad sermon. They hear the rumors. They hear the people grumbling in the church. Imagine what that does to the psyche of the pastor's wife, mm-hmm. the psyche of the pastor's children, the psyche mm-hmm. of the pastor, right? So if you want to know how to protect your pastor's mental health, one, 
give them grace to be human, give them grace to make mistakes, understand that they're struggling, ask them if they're taking a time off, ask them if they're getting rest. One of the things I love about my members, they encourage pastor, go and take the time, go and rest, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And I see that they give me the grace because one of the things that we didn't talk about, but it happens a lot, is that we beat ourselves up a lot. Yes, we, yes, do. we do. First few yes, years we of do. ministry, right? After every sermon, no matter how well people thought it went, because I'm comparing myself to- To something, I, someone, yes. To so at to the least Celtics, all of to the Celtics. And, yeah, because of the Celtics, right? <laughs> <laughs> all of Sunday, maybe all of Monday part, or maybe part of Monday. It's I'm still in you. It's still in your mind. Yeah, right. I'm right. beating myself up. Meanwhile, I got to care about other people. And mm -hmm. then maybe Tuesday gets around. It's like, okay, here we go to try again to do this thing that I don't feel like I'm so great at. I'm still right. learning how to lead. I'm still learning how to preach. I'm still learning how to do all of these things. Um, and you're not yet where you want to be. Right? And so wait till wait till your style changes. Mm -hmm. Mercy. Right. Wait till your style change. You're just in it ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till your style changes. Mm -hmm. or, or or wait to or wait till you put away certain things. Mm -hmm. Right. Like and start doing other things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was not in your. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you understand yeah. where I'm coming from. Your family goes up. That's it. And mm -hmm. and here it is, right? We've got to also realize whether you are a female or male spouse of a pastor. Yeah, they get tired. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. I mean, I'm, I'm, what I'm, they don't want to hear it. Um, and well, churches Edsel was a church Edsel, them. Edsel was landing the plane, and we started. We went. Back I'm to sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we yeah, just, yeah. you know. Well, all, all, all I was saying was, you know, be that we person. You. Edsel, you, we heard you. You're very, yeah. very articulate. Because some people want to be a pastor's friend, and they don't know how to hold intention, the honor that comes with the role, and the humanity that that's underneath. Yeah. The same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Ingrid is one of those people. You're excellent at that, Ingrid. You you know how to see a pastor's humanity and let them be who they are. And at the same time, when you see them in church, you're not trying to call them by their first name. You're not trying to you know pull. She's a true armor bearer. You know how to she, hold. She's them up a true armor bearer and support them, and then not play one against the other. Mm -mm. To realize, like just the same way we're preaching to the congregation, we're preaching to ourselves. We right. have the same problems as the people in the pews. And yep. so, can I say something? I saw, I, I, I'm, and I'm going to mute myself. And I'm done. I'm done. I'm this was know. this was authentic. This was authentic. When I saw Etzel's name on speaking at Oakwood, well, I, I'm serious. I called you, right? I called you, right? You I said, did, you, did. you called. You called. I said, Yo, dog, you are mainstream. I my, <laughs> my no way to go, Yo. Paul. There is nowhere to go but up and up with Yo, Jesus. Jesus. Where do you go from there? My whole face. <laughs> my whole face. Was hurting me because I was like, "This you know, dude went know. to Mecca. He spoke at Mecca." <laughs> and, and all I could all I could say was, "I was so happy. I was it, like, Yo. I was so happy." And can I tell you something? Who did that to me? Medley did. Mm. Medley did the same thing when when I spoke at Oakwood for Baccalaureate. Mm. Medley, did you? Yes. <laughs> oh, you! I want my youth ministry I'm, job. I'm on Edsel's level, baby. I'm on Edsel's <laughs> level. Oh, you know. snap! Okay. I just I just didn't get camp meeting for 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 for, for no hold up. Let yet. me call my people at Pelk. Let me see if I can get a seat over there or something. <laughs> hey, if you want to preach somewhere, go down South Florida. They got like five thousand people who show up down in South Florida. Facts, Facts. ain't no right. doubt about it. 
Hey, listen, listen. Celtics, but Oakland man, is Oakland, Celtics, man. Celtics, he, Celtics man. He's slow, Pat. Okay. No, 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 no. He, you know, he took his melatonin and everything, right? So he's about to fall asleep <laughs> on camera. And he just... <laughs> Listen, I'm already in a bad mood from yesterday. Don't listen. <laughs> I just, um, I just want you to know, I'm upset about Miami, so I'm with you. Okay, I'm with you. I just want you to yeah. know. And Enzo got a nice church where there's a chicken spot right down the street on Blue Hill. You already know. I already yeah. know. <laughs> no. Oh snap! He eat meat. My God! Don't tell <laughs> nobody. <laughs> My man going to hell in a hand basket. <laughs> Above all else, I think this conversation is a conversation that can continue. Um, obviously, there are so many other things I, I, you know, we can begin to start to say. Just because, also, I think the the conundrum that millennial pastors and pastors that are hopefully are coming after us are also considering the idea of man, do I do I even want to stay here as long as you, Pat said I'm going to be this and I'm 60 years old. And that's a that's a reality in front of us too. The, the whole idea of what pastoral work looks like is, is changed, not just in how you do it, but the longevity. Yeah, some people don't may not necessarily want to be in this work simply because of how much it takes a toll on you. And the reality is, you know, you you begin to start to ask yourself, man, is all this stuff worth it? And is your calling a call that's called for a season or it's called for a lifetime? Mm. Yeah. yeah. My man went black on that. Lord. Yeah, he went black. So it looked like we were about to go to <laughs> He said it and went black. It's like he dropped the mic and the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody. I'm going to tell you this. This was therapeutic for me. Mm. You don't understand. This is the first time that I've opened up past not drinking since, since two weeks. Yeah. And it's therapeutic for me. Um, I don't have to smoke weed. I just, I I just drink. I just want to say that Ingrid's skin is flawless. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just just black. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's well, listen. Nah, let, let's, <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's, 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 all right. That, that's that's our sign. We got it. We're, we're signing off. Yeah. Because right now it's about to go downhill. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, viewership, the viewership is going to go up for the wrong reason. We're done. We're done. Ladies and well, gentlemen. Well, this is us. And we want to just yeah. shout out Pastor. Patrick and Paul Graham yes. for being with us. This will not yes. be the last time you are on the Confessions um, Podcast. Thanks, man. Well, thank you so much for thank your honesty, your thank transparency, you. and for uh, just just edifying the folks tonight. Well, this is it. We're, we're, we're this is us signing off. Moda's not with us. I thought she was gonna come in late. That's the only reason why I was coming on. Yeah, so we're gonna figure out where Moda's at. You get Paul off. This is about to go downhill right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I was <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Confessions Podcast. Go Celtics tomorrow. Don't get swept. We out, folks. Thank you much. New York Knicks forever. New York Knicks forever. Knicks tonight. Knicks, baby. Knicks. Orange and blue skies. Nickelback. Nickelback.